This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly sponsored by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. As a city supporter, we know you value delivery and McDelivery is up there with the very best. You'll always be winning with McDelivery because just like Kevin De Bruyne, McDelivery puts your order right on a plate. So the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered as well. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for you tomorrow. Only via the app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Whether you're a booer or a buyer, the Champions League anthem will be belting out against Bayern tonight. It's the big one, and much like the roller coaster which goes by the same name at Blackpool Pleasure Beach, there promises to be plenty of ups and downs. It's Tuesday, the 11th of April. I'm Amos Murphy. I'm Adam Booker. And this is the City Report Podcast. Unbelievable! Manchester United 1, Manchester City 6, it's 2 for Dzeko. Tottenham Hotspur 3, Manchester City 4. They have made the impossible possible. Speak to me about roller coasters, Adam. Um, I can't stand them. I've got this thing of, of I find them petrifying, and even if it's you know the kids, kids ones at the fairground ride, I won't go near them. I like to be in control of my own destiny. Which linking it back to the weekend, City certainly are with the title race. But I don't. Are, are you? Are you a roller coaster fan? Would you be on the big one at, at Blackpool Pleasure Beach if you ever went? I have been on one roller coaster my entire life, and it was the first and last. Hmm. It, it, to be so to be fair I've always been told I had a really bad like I did the worst possible roller coaster. There's a big amusement park somewhat close to where I grew up called Hershey Park and uh where Christian Pulisic comes from fun, fun fact of the day. Um and they had a roller coaster there called the Grizzly Bear that was super old, the tracks were still wooden and it was like not the new version of the like you know how you're strapped in the big thing will come over your head and neck. And you're basically immobile in the seat. Well, the one that I went on, the Grizzly Bear, was basically like an airplane seatbelt, right? Where you lift it out of your seat a little bit, but then it caught you. Just like a, you know, I don't know what kind of material an airplane seatbelt is made out of. And I just, and because growing up and still to this day, I'm really, really skinny. 
So if it was made for a normal size little boy, I was a very skinny little boy. And so I would go flying out of my seat and then it would like catch me in the air and pull me back down to my seat. And I was just so scarred. And then doing go-karts, my dad flipped us over a wall trying to pass somebody. So me and amusement parks and and fun kids games, no, it's not a match made in heaven. No, no, you and I handshake on that one. Um, I find them, I find them terrifying. I find, I find people who get off on them in terms of you know enjoy doing it. I find them straight, like the weirdest of the weird people in society. Which is weird because I, I wouldn't say I'm an adrenaline junkie, but I've skateboarded my whole life. I've done. But you're in control. You know, this is what it is to me. I've, sort of. I've been I, to the Grand I mean, Canyon. I broke both of my dangled. elbows in one go a couple of years ago skateboarding. Well, yeah, true. Maybe know? not control, but I've, I've been to the Grand Canyon. I've dangled my legs off the side. You know, I have no issue with stuff like that. Big bridges, big heights, no issue with that because I, I know if I fall over, it's probably going to be my fault. If yeah. a roller coaster breaks down and I'm stuck yeah. 60 foot in the air, I've got I've got a lot of anger inside me towards the people who, uh, to, as you can tell. Anyway, football. Um, it is a big game tonight. There is going to be a roller coaster of emotions. You should expect it's Champions League quarterfinal, etc. Thoughts on it? Because I think when the draw was made, there was a sense of, hmm, it's not the best draw for City, but it's certainly not the worst. Bayern Munich haven't had a textbook Bayern Munich season, which is mad when you think, you know, they're cruising towards their 11th Bundesliga title. Obviously, Julian Nagelsmann then got sacked in the international break. Thomas Tuchel comes in. That changes the dynamic a little bit. And my personal opinion going into the game has switched entirely. What are your, what are your thoughts on the game? First, uh, obviously, the, the home leg at f- coming first as well, which is an interesting part, especially with no away goals, of course. So, um, intriguing tie. It is, yeah. I, I, I wouldn't say that um, I, I wanted Bayern Munich in this in this round. You know, obviously, there was weaker teams uh, still in the competition, but you know, like you said, it it hasn't been a a vintage Bayern year. But what what does worry me about them is. Um, they remind me a little bit of Real Madrid in the Champions League. For those big games, they get up. If, if you look back throughout their season, you know, um, you know, they one for instance, late February, they lose to Borussia Mönchengladbach, not having a very good season. The next week, they have a big top of the table showdown with Union Berlin, who at the time I believe were first. Bayern win three 0 You know, you, you fast forward to more recent times, they obviously get through PSG and. Um, in both of those, uh, in both legs, and, and go through to obviously face City. Um, there's crisis at the top. They fire Julian Nagelsmann. They bring in Thomas Tuchel. First game back is their classicer. It felt like Dortmund's best chance to beat Bayern in, in a classicer in, in years, and maybe they're even favorites for the title in the form. And they absolutely steamed Dortmund. So they are one of those teams that it feels like maybe they don't get up for the big games. But when they do get up for the big games, or sorry, they, they they don't get up for the smaller teams. Your you know your Augsburgs and Stuttgart's and stuff like that. They don't get up for the games like that. But for the big games, they do. And going to the Etihad, facing off against Pep City, that's a big game, and that that maybe is what worries me a little bit. I, I'll I'll go to you for your thoughts now. But I, I after saying all that, I do have a bit more confidence than I maybe would have in years past. Yeah, I think that I think I said it at the time um, when we're doing possibly the the sort of the time capsule. Maybe it was so speaking about Tuchel and the impact he'll have. I um, 
I think it, I think it's a not a game changer, but it certainly it shifts the tide a little bit. Julian Nagelsmann will have a fantastic career in management. He was destined for the Bayern Munich job. However, at thirty, what would he have been when he was appointed? Thirty four, I think it was possibly even thirty three. You know, far too early. There were players in the Bayern Munich squad who were who were of a similar age. You know, Thomas Muller, pretty much the same age bracket. So it was far too soon for him. They've obviously turned to Thomas Tuchel, who is an interesting manager because he's not. You know, you, even even going back to his time with PSG and, and Borussia Dortmund, he's not a manager who you can look at and really pinpoint his tactical style. He hasn't got, you know, for example, obviously Peps is well known, but Jurgen Klopp is was obviously big on that very uh, high intensity counter pressing with his with his good Liverpool teams and good uh, Dortmund teams. Obviously, not so much anymore. Uh, Mourinho would would be a pragmatist. Uh, Antonio Conte as well. Back three, you know. Tuchel has changed. He's, he's chopped. He's, he's he's shifted a little bit. The only constant really has been a uh, back five using wing backs, and and that will be an interesting battle when we start to look at who might play. But he has history in this competition, um, and and it was interesting actually. Pep Guardiola in his pre-match press conference yesterday referenced the the twenty twenty one Champions League final, which I think for ninety five percent of City fans is is deemed like a, a a blacklisted day. I can't remember what, what date exactly it was, sometime in May, but, you know, it's a game which will never be rewatched. And, and actually, I don't know if it was sort of some some form of putting myself through emotional trauma again, but I, I recently rewatched the extended highlights. I wasn't going to do the 90-minute game. And City were good. City played really well in that final. Chelsea defended all almost like a, a relegation threatened team on the final day of the season. They were throwing themselves in, in front of chances. On another day, City steamrolled that Chelsea team. But Champions League, anything can happen, etc. I do feel as if Guardiola is maybe looking at the two call situation, and I don't want to do the. I don't want to say the over, the over overthinking word. Uh, bloody, I'll just said it. But I think he's possibly. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I've got a little bit of skeptic, skepticism going into it. Uh, I don't necessarily think there's going to be any sort of overthinking because simply because I don't think City have the tactical tactical flexibility they once did. Mm. All you know, the players, or or the players, yeah, th- those kind of go hands hand in hand. Um, I think that in years past we've kind of seen the end of Pep's overthinking in in Champions League. You know, he, he didn't do it against Real Madrid. We just got sucker punched in the end by a couple mm. of goals and in, in injury time. Um, so that wasn't one of those. Though you know, like Leon, where they go to the back back three for the first time, and probably Pep's you know tenure, and you know, and things like that, where it did feel like they were. I, I hate that phrase, overthinking, because as as Pep will say himself, mm. he overthinks every single game. It's just that he gets it right most of the time. Mm. Um, it's only overthinking when he gets it wrong. Um, but with this with this game, kind of the way I'm feeling is. Like I said, I'm weirdly confident about it. And I think that's because if we had this matchup last season, I would feel like, ooh, a, a Thomas Tuchel Bayern Munich side. We've seen his Chelsea teams in the past. They're going to be really solid. They're maybe going to give us some of the ball. And that that false nine system is going to struggle to break down, you know, a team sitting deep with that can that can hit us on the break with pace. Whereas I don't feel that way anymore because of Erling Holland. You know, he he is the get out of jail free card when you can't break down a team with, you know, liquid football. You just ping the ball into him 
and he makes something happen. And we saw that a prime, prime example of the way I feel City are going to have to win the Champions League if they're going to win it. It's the game at the Emirates. You know, Arsenal have more of the ball. They maybe have more of the chances. Um, I think that that was City's lowest possession in a nine, in a ninety minutes in the Pep Guardiola era. That game at the Emirates, but they win it three one. You know, they pick their moments to be ruthless. They are ruthless. The stars step up. Kevin De Bruyne with a goal and an assist. You know, Jack Grealish with a with a big goal. Erling Holland with a big goal. The the superstars will have to pick their moments to be ruthless. And if they do that. They'll beat anybody. You know, if City take the, the, if they carve out three or four chances a game from he, from here on in going forward in the Champions League, they'll win the Champions League because they take their chances now. We don't see those chances go begging. It did. It's not like the Raheem Sterling, Gabriel Jesus, Phil Foden false nine days where you had to create ten to score one. It's now create three to score two, and that's that's a recipe for success in this competition because that's how teams have beaten us in the past. Is they don't need to create much. They they need to be ruthless. So. I think we've seen that not only in the Champions League, but also in the Premier League in the big games, like I said, that that one at the Emirates as well, that City have that in their locker now. They can be a bit more solid. They can be a bit more conservative and pick their moments and capitalize. And if they do that, then they'll beat anybody. And interesting, obviously, uh, Bayern Munich had a man like that in in Robert Lewandowski before he went off to Barcelona in the in the summer, and they were very much that team. They would have three chances, did score two, and it would it would primarily be Lewandowski getting both of them. They've they've had to they've had to switch to to Eric Eric Chupo Moting, who's a Stoke City legend, of course, back from his his playing days in in uh, in Staffordshire, but he's out with a knee injury at the moment. I'm not quite sure if he's going to be back for tonight, um, but obviously. Uh, He's had a he's had an absolutely fantastic season, to be fair to him. But he's not Robert Lewandowski, and it, it looks as if perhaps if that injury does keep him out, someone like Serge Gnabry or Thomas Muller will be playing that false nine role, which is obviously a, a, a sort of a flip reverse from this time last year when you compare the two teams. You're spot on in the sense that City now have this this not not sort of cheat. Well, yeah, it's a cheat code. It is an absolute cheat code, but it isn't a foolproof system. We, I, I think. Obviously, the, the biggest game so far this season for City in terms of person, in terms of opposition and the personnel they have was the Arsenal game. City dispatched Arsenal. Haaland, you know, he didn't have his. He, he wasn't creating chances for for uh, for teammates. He wasn't sort of having four, five, six, seven shots. He had, I think, he, he scored one, didn't he? He had two or three shots, and he, and he got a goal. But I think in terms of the actual. In terms of the actual personnel in that defence, this is going to be a massive game. You've got someone like Matthias De Litt who will, who will be up against, and I think Matthias De Litt isn't necessarily best suited to play against Haaland because he is more of that sort of a classier centre half, a John Stones type. Maybe they'll need somebody in there who can who can have a more of a physical battle, but he's still a superb, uh, supreme centre half. Um, before we move on to sort of uh, who City might look to play against Bayern tonight. Just just quickly on Bayern then, because like you say, they're a behemoth of European football. They're one of them names, I feel like, alongside Real Madrid, Whisper it, maybe United, Liverpool, um, possibly one of the one of the Italian teams. Obviously, you can take your pick. They've all had all had spells at the top, but basically, they're a fixture in this competition. And City aren't. We've had in recent years. There's been some big games. I think that that uh, Real Madrid home match last season will resonate with fans. I know certainly I look back on it, despite what happened in the second leg, as one of the best games I remember being at the Etihad Stadium. And and I guess it's about now building up those those moments and those events. 
one of which in the Champions League was obviously back in 2014 when when Aguero scored that hat trick. A really you know, one of my favourite games to look back on and, and watch the highlights of because it's so it's just absolutely mental. They haven't played each other these two teams since then. Obviously, City have changed a lot. Bayern, uh, well, they were in the midst of a, a Bundesliga winning run at that point. They're still in that in that same winning run. But it'll be interesting to see City on the Champions League stage with missed the Champions League in Erling Haaland and just see where they're at because. I almost feel like there's a, a, an undercurrent of change sweeping through the City fan base a little bit. Maybe it's because the Premier League hasn't been there this season for City. But I almost feel like some are starting to get the connection that you need with this competition to make a place like the Etihad Stadium a little bit of a fortress. Well, you're spot on that it's it's all about moments. And I think, you know, weirdly, even the the bad moments maybe give you the extra motivation as opposed to wanting to see more of those four threes. And, you know, you think back to the Monaco game at home in what, 2016, or I guess it would have been 2017 at the time, but one of my favorite games of all time. And obviously city go on to, to get knocked out in the second leg, but that was a six, three at home. It's just one of my all time favorite games. And those moments they'll, they'll, help the fan base, you know, kind of get on side with the Champions League, which anyone who listens to the, to this show will know that you and I probably need a little bump in in that area to to make us mm. really truly care yeah. about this competition. Um but yeah, I mean throughout the Pep years it, it's always been little bits of progress here and there. You know, it became see it, it became a regular occurrence to get to the quarterfinal. And then we kind of would lose in a couple quarterfinals. And then we make it to, what, two semifinals in a row. Obviously, one of those years you go on to lose in the final. But that's now multi-years multi where you're making a semifinal. So if they get through Bayern here, they get to another semifinal. I think we have to see that even if we go on to potentially lose to Real Madrid in the final, it's still progress. It's still becoming a, you know, one of those teams that you just assume will be in that last four. And that's progress. And then you become a team that can make it to you know two finals in four years or something like that. And eventually you're going to win one. Like the the club is is not set up in the way that you look at Monaco was, where they got tons of big money, tons of big players, and then now they're back to being you know kind of mid table to possibly Champions League. It's a club, City or a club set up to be at this level basically infinitely. Doesn't matter what Sheikh Mansour does if he pulls out of the club tomorrow. The club is set up to be at this level from here on out. So it's going to happen eventually, and we kind of have to take our victories where we can get them. And I think that while everyone outside of the city bubble calls Pep Guardiola a failure for not having won it at City yet, I don't think he's been a failure at all in this competition because of the progress we've made. We went from a team that were serial group stage, a serial group stage team to a serial round of 16 team, to a serial quarterfinal team, to now, if you go to another semifinal, that's, what, three seasons in a row in the semifinals? You, yeah. are, a, you are a team that regularly finishes in the top four in Europe's you know, most prestigious competition. So you kind of have to take the battle, you know, take the little victories where you can get them, and they'll, they'll keep moving up and keep moving up. I, I likened it after the Real Madrid game. Um, 
to the final level on on Mario where you know you fail first time around you might fail 10th time around but eventually you should hope one day you will lift that trophy and 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 defeat defeat Donkey Kong Real Madrid Donkey Kong perhaps um right okay or Bowser I've got my Mario metaphors mixed up uh right okay that'll do for part one we'll be back in a moment to discuss team selection Welcome back to the City Report podcast, your home for daily Manchester City content. If you uh, are done here before the match and you haven't already, you can go back and listen to yesterday's Southampton review. Lots of Erling Haaland waxing lyrical as usual. Um, I, I guess we don't usually do sort of predicted 11s, but I think it's probably given the way that there was so little rotation on Saturday against Southampton and there was a discussion whether or not that was because of obviously the international break, there was no midweek game after Liverpool, were the players going to be fresh enough, did they need minutes in the legs, was, would Haaland start? He did obviously and, uh, and and certainly repaid Guardiola's trust in him then. Let, let's let's try and work through uh, uh, some form of 11 if we can. Um, I presume Edison in that, although there has been some chat about Ortega starting in goal for Champions League games. I, I I see the logic, but I think it's nonsense. So we're going to stick Edison in there. I assume we go with the four centre-backs, um, obviously minus Laporte, or, or is it one for Kyle Walker to come back in? Um, I got to say, the Southampton team news really, really threw me through a loop. It really did. It, it flipped. I, I In my head, I thought I could map out what Pep was going to do when we... We sat down. Silly boy. Silly, silly boy. <laughs> we sat down. We did the preview of the Southampton game Thursday of last week. And I basically picked out six or seven players that were on the bench for Liverpool that I thought would come back for Southampton and then go back to the bench for this game. When I look at that Southampton starting 11, I don't see anybody that comes out. Like that, that is the team for me. That is Pep's best 11 for me. Other than Phil Foden, who obviously is is you know injured at the moment, maybe Bernardo Silva comes in there somewhere. But at the moment, the team that played at Southampton is the best eleven. So it's really, really thrown me through a loop. My only thinking is he didn't rotate because there was no midweek football between Liverpool and Southampton. So he wanted to keep the momentum going. I think we saw that in some of the the early substitutions. You know, Sergio Gomez, Bernardo Silva, Alvarez, Phillips, Walker, they all come on in the second half, some of them pretty early on. Um, I think probably when City got their third, they 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 started the, to do the the exodus of the starting eleven. But if I were to predict an eleven for this Bayern game, it would literally be the eleven that started against Southampton. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, I, I I agree. Obviously, Rodri's going to play. Um, bar an injury, this is. And, and Guardiola did say yesterday that Phil Foden's the only absentee. So unless of an overnight injury or an injury in training, we are as close to first team, uh, as close to full selection without without Phil Foden. I think Gundogan's too important to drop. Um, you know, he pops up with goals. He arrives late in the box. He ticks things over. And obviously, Kevin De Bruyne is going to play. So I think if it, the, the only talking point for me here, because obviously Haaland, Grealish, you would assume the only selection headache you'd assume would be Mares or Bernardo Silva, and and I was thinking because obviously, as the tag goes, Ramadan Mares we're into Champions League season. This is where he usually comes alive. Those nights under the lights, he he seems to put it on, and he is one of the best players in the world when he does. But I was looking at Bayern Munich team, and I'm thinking Alfonso Davis plays on that left hand side. Is Mares the best defensively? No, he will be the first to admit that himself. Bernardo Silva on that right-hand side in that sort of 
unorthodox auxiliary right winger who can tuck into central midfield and interchange with Kevin De Bruyne, I think I would probably sway towards that because of the extra cover you have. And, the, and obviously going further back, a Kanji on the right-hand side is probably City's weakest link in defence. And we've seen him be susceptible to the odd mistake. He's almost a player, I feel like Kanji, who does everything at a billion miles an hour and doesn't always think through his decision-making either on the ball or, or so I'd say that he's, he's dropping deeper or trying to play a high line and, and catch the player offside. He always sort of misjudges one or two moments in a game so I think with Bernardo Silva on there yeah add that extra cover but obviously you're taking Mahrez out of the team which is is unthinkable at this stage of the season it is a, a real conundrum as we said for the Southampton game and, it, and I feel like it's going to be like this for every single game now until the end of the campaign So Mahrez was the first man off at St. Mary's is that possibly an indication that he was keeping him fresh for this? Because the, the one thing yeah. I will say about that that left side of Bayern Munich, right side of City is I think the playing the four center backs, having one of them inverted frees up the wingers to not have to do quite as much of the tracking back as they once did because we Mm. play them so high and wide now because we pack everything else in the middle that the, you know, whoever it is, if it's John Stones tucking into midfield and then kind of coming back out to an auxiliary right-sided kind of right back or far right center back, however you want to look at it, um, that maybe frees up that right winger, whoever it is, Bernardo or Mares, to not have to do as much tracking back. But like you said, with Alfonso Davies, you know, as as an American, we've been we've been struck down by the Alfonso Davies sword many a time playing for Canada. Um, and he's electric. I mean, genuinely, he's t- to me, he's the scariest part of that Bayern Munich team. You know, you can look at Leroy Sané, Sadio Mane, mm. Serge Gnabry, Thomas Muller. But if Alfonso Davies gets going, we saw him in the final against PSG in, in the COVID season. He's electric. He's so hard to deal with. Um, so I think I agree with you. You go with Bernardo Silva. What's interesting for me is I thought that the potential of having playing against Bayern Munich with lots of pace, lots of ability to hit on the counter. I thought it would be the perfect game for Kyle Walker to come back into the team. But where does he go? We mm-hmm. saw, we heard Pep this week say he can't do the inverted role. I mean, straight up, those were Pep's words. No, he can't do it. So does that mean that the inverted center back is going to be on the left-hand side? Well, you you wouldn't think Nathan Ake would do that. You would think maybe Rico Lewis comes in on that side to do it. But you can't see Nathan Ake getting dropped. So it's it's a it's a weird one. I think the conservative side of me, um, which is the only part of my life I've ever been considered a conservative, um, <laughs> would say that it's the same exact eleven from from St. Mary's. I think that's what it's going to be. I think the early substitution of Mares is is either an indication of that or Pep. I can't remember if that was Bernardo that came on for him at that time, or if that was when um, when Julian Alvarez yeah. came on. It was around that time. It, you know, the subs were, were five, yeah. ten minutes apart. That, so then maybe was, that was Pep yeah. giving it 30 minutes for Bernardo to play out on that far right to get, you know, his feet back under him in that position for the Bayern game. So you can kind of look at it both ways. But like I said, I think the the easiest way to look at it is that's probably the best 11 against Southampton. So that's probably what he's going to go with. But, you know, it's Pep. It's the Champions League. There'll probably be one or two question marks in there. Um, that'll end up making him look like a genius. 
Final final question then. Um, uh, for for what it's worth, I think I probably would go Bernardo Silva over Mares, and and it's obviously not a conservative move in terms of offensive, defensive, etc. Because Bernardo Silva can chip in with goals, assists, etc. I just think that I just think that energy with Bernardo Silva probably is the is the way to go in a big game like this. But again, you know, if Mares is playing, I'm not I'm not on the approach to the stadium later on this evening going oh shit we had Mars is playing it's game over you know it's it's a good team it's a strong team um final point then we expect this to be the team is there an argument that City go out and blitz by Munich they play Haaland and Alvarez similarly in the way that they played against RB Leipzig who were obviously not the same team as Bayern Munich and it wasn't child's play before this point in the Champions League, but you get past the, the round of 16. I, I always group the round of 16 with the group stage in the sense that, especially when you finish top of the table, you usually have an easier clash in quotation marks. You get past the international break and you get into the quarterfinals, then it's like, okay, this is our path to the final and potential glory. These are the big boys left in it. Um, obviously, there's no seeded draw. Do do City, it's not going to happen, so perhaps it's a pointless conversation, but do City really have to go and win this game, I guess is what I'm trying to get at. Do they they need to go and leave a mark on Bayern Munich, 2-0, 3-0, go to the Allianz with a comfortable comfortable enough lead so an early goal at at Bayern doesn't sort of knock them off course? It's it's interesting you say, should they blitz them the way they blitzed RB Leipzig, but I've just got that starting 11 against RB Leipzig pulled up, and it's literally what it was at St. Mary's, except for Bernardo Silva in on the right. And and they blitzed Darby Leipzig. So um, do they have to leave a mark on them? Not necessarily. You know, I think one of City's absolute strong suits of the Pep Guardiola era is the ability to win away from home. You know, I don't think there's any place I've ever been afraid of going, really, except for Anfield. And that's just because there is, the you know, the curse looming over it. Especially the Allianz Arena. You know, it's one of those stadiums that... It's different to going to Dortmund or you know Schalke or something like that, where it's going to be a cauldron. They're going to be right on top of you. It's a bit more of a Real Madrid-y, Barcelona, big, big arena-style stadium. Feels more like a World Cup game than a you know a cauldron. Um, so I'm not really worried. Thinking, oh, we're we're going to the Allianz Arena. We need to go there with a lead because I, I don't think that's really an issue. I think you have to score a couple of goals. Um, hmm. I think they will. I think I think City will have the edge at home. I think Bayern Munich will probably sit deep a little bit. And if they give City the opportunity to blitz them, they they may just do that. But I do think it also is hard to blitz teams that sit back and be solid. It's easier to blitz a team that goes after you and you can hit them on the counter with, you know, Erling Holland and Kevin De Bruyne like Leipzig did. Leipzig were, were wide open in that game. But I don't think I don't think Bayern Munich are gonna play like that. Yeah, yeah. It, it depends, doesn't it? It depends. They've certainly got the talent to do so, but any any sort of clue that a Thomas Tuchel team has ever left behind. I was speaking about sort of the tactical philosophy of that manager. He certainly hasn't been an expansive, open, progressive style football manager, if 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 that's ever been the case. So, uh, you know, it's it's probably going to be more like the Atletico Madrid game than the Real Madrid game from last season. But hey, you know, it, it should it should be a good one. It should be a good one. What um, you mean, okay. Scott Carson calling Thomas <laughs> Muller out to the car park in the tunnel? I, I'm trying to think who I'd who, who Scott Carson would have the have the best fight with in the buying team. Probably is Thomas Muller. He seems like an absolute feral animal. Um, hopefully, we don't have to see that. Although it would be fun. Um, Adam, we'll call it a day there. Been fun. Been very fun. Thank you. 
if you haven't already, like I said, go back and listen to the Southampton review to get you in the mood. It will gear you up for tonight's game. We'll be back on Wednesday, of course, with our review. Hopefully some happy faces for that one. Until next time then, I've been able to move from joined by Adam Booker. Leave a rating, leave a review. We'll see you later. Make sure you're geared up for Man City's end-of-season running with McDelivery. Great food delivered right to your door. By using McDelivery, you won't miss a moment of City's crucial running, and just like Kevin De Bruyne, they deliver your order exactly where you want it. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? At participating restaurants only, 18 and plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply, see mcdonalds.com. 